This is episode 27 of season 3 of Going Beyond Salvation, and this is your host, Jess Robinson, and we are going into our our Old Testament reading for the week, and just going, today we'll be finishing up Judges, we'll be going through um, the Book of Ruth as well, and discuss about uh, for Samuel. So in Judges uh, chapter 11 through 13, uh, we had in Judges 11, you have Jephthah was, Jephthah, I should say, he was driven away by his brothers. He was an outcast. And what ended up happening is, and I don't know why, you know, he just, he ended up getting a band of warriors together and some adventurers kind of makes you think of Robin Hood in a way. <laughs> and all of a sudden these leaders come and they plead for him to fight the Ammonites. You know, they've been wicked and they, they, but they don't want the Ammonites anymore to, to bother them. And so, and Jephthah was okay and going, really? Well, if you do this, I will be ruler. And and so, you know, they he ends up being going. But what he ends up doing first, and it's interesting, out of all the judges, he, he sends messengers to the Ammonite king. And what happens is that the Ammonite, you know, going, why are you, why are you attacking? And... What ends up happening is the king of the Ammonites, he answers, he's like, when Israel came up out of Egypt, they took away my land from the Arnon to the Jabbok all the way to the Jordan. Now give it back peaceably. And this is what was so interesting. And Jephthah, he goes and he goes, wait a minute, no. And he sends this lengthy letter saying, no, this is the true story behind it. You know, and he he must have been very versed in in the 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 law and how you know in the word as well for him to to come up with that letter and uh, what happened is and and it's something that we can take as well. We have to know what the word says because someone you know can manipulate it to what they want. You know, last. Sunday, we had a guest uh, preacher and, you know, he goes to our church and he has his license, but um, he and he'll come and preach every once in a while. So it's not always our pastor preaching. And the first thing he said was, do not take me at my word, you know, make sure you go back into the verses and make sure that what I'm saying is true. And that's something as as believers that we have to get into is being in the in the word and knowing the word because somebody is going to manipulate it. And we see it today that God's word is even manipulated to to condone, you know, things that are sinful. You know, I've seen it with people who are who are homosexual or therefore the the LGBTQ cause and they're saying, Well, Jesus never talked about this or he accepted and they'll pick these verses and that he accepts them it's like as a person 
yes, God loves everyone, but he hates sin and homosexuality and transgenderism. It's, it's a sin, period. <laughs> he doesn't like the sin. He loves the people, but he doesn't like the sin. And so as believers, we have to keep into that. And we see that with, with Jephthah and they end up, you know, going out to battle the Ammonites. And what ends up happening with Jephthah is he makes a, a, a vow that he's going to sacrifice the first thing that comes out. And that was a little bit careless. And we can get that way with the Lord that sometimes we get so desperate we carelessly make a promise. And I think the Lord was really testing Jephthah to see what he would do. And the first thing that comes out is his daughter. And there's a lot of debate going, did he actually sacrifice his daughter, his only child? Some believe he does, but I, when you look at the verses, it says that she never married and that she was a virgin. I really think personally, because how God laid out the law that you were not to sacrifice your children, I don't think she was sacrificed like she did not die. It's just that she was never married and she went into the service of in in the national sanctuary to serve the Lord. That's my belief on it. And, you know, as I've read, that's you know, what some or a lot of the commentaries that I read say about that, that that's what they say. So, and then we have with Jetha and Ephraim and we notice Ephraim and we notice that with, with Gilead that they were going, why didn't you call us to fight? I think they had been called to fight and we see this and we're starting to see because of the depravity of sin in, in Israel that they're even actually starting to turn against each other. And we see this slaughter of Ephraimites and and all of that in there. And so then there was Ibzan, Elon, and Abdon for judges. And then we get into Samson, but we're going to take a break and then jump into the, the story of Samson. And we're back and we're talking about Samson and the birth of Samson. And a lot of people know about the story of Samson because there are cartoons portrayed of Samson um, and all of that. It's just kind of a well-known Bible story, but there's much more to it because a lot of like cartoons and stuff actually do not go into the actual story of Samson and, and what is what drove him to be such, you know, to be so strong, but... It's actually a really sad story and we can relate to it in a, in a lot of ways. And the birth of Samson, you know, he, his mother was, you know, sterile and they couldn't have children. And this angel comes and they have this, you know, encounter with, with an angel and she does first and not the husband and the husband has this doubt but the, the angel, and it just shows how God cared that this angel showed up again so that the, the father would know about what was to happen. And this, this boy was, 
you know, named Samson was set apart as a Nazarite. And we've talked about the Nazarite in past podcasts, that it was part of the Old Testament laws that, that people could separate or, you know, that separate themselves or separate their child and make them into a Nazarite. They weren't to cut their hair. They weren't to drink anything that was fermented. They couldn't come across dead bodies or anything like that or else they would be considered unclean. And it was, you know, either for a certain amount of time or for always. And I think Samson was supposed to be set apart for, um, for, you know, for his whole life. But, it it turns out different. Now people are like, oh yeah, you know, God made him bad. And it's like, no, Samson made the poor choices that he made. And we see in this story, Samson's downward spiral and descent. Because the first thing he does is he falls in love with a Philistine woman. That's somebody he was not supposed to be with. And And even though his mom and dad had set him apart, And I think being an only child, and I see this with families a lot of times with only childs, that that only child is a lot of times spoiled, especially if it's been, they were really hard or it was really hard to conceive that child. But what we see here is they did not put their foot down until Samson, no. They give in to him and and we see Samson's weakness in in these stories is that his weakness was women and it's the same way, you know, we, we all have our weaknesses and, but God, when we find strength in God to, to resist temptation and it's only through God, you know, it will, the most misconceived notion is that you know, when you become a follower of Jesus, that, oh my gosh, everything is so rosy and, and, and you don't get tempted. No, you have a target on your back because the enemy is not happy that you are essentially, you know, going to heaven. He's not happy. And he's going to try to bring you down through temptation, through, through trials, you know, and we live in a, in a fallen world. And so we still struggle, you know, with, with sickness. We, we still have to deal like, you know, today in, in this time with, as with coronavirus and even with the death of George Floyd that, and what's going on with these riots, we have to deal with that as Christians, as believers. And it's easy to fall into this downward spiral of, of sin and, and not take control of the flesh. We we lose our first love, which is God, and we end up going into this di- downward spiral into sin. And we see with Samson through this story. Now, God did not condone Samson because there's this verse that says, you know, that his parents did not know that this was from the Lord, who was seeking an occasion to confront the Philistines, for at that time they were ruling over Israel. People misconstrue that that that. God caused Samson to fall in love with this Philistine woman. No, that was Samson's choice. And God did not condone Samson's sinning. And we see it over and over. He did not condone Samson's sinning, but he used the situation in regards to confront the Philistines and deal with them. 
Now we get into Samson's story and, and that, yes, he does not end up getting with the, the Philistine woman. Uh, he ends up killing these, you know, he kills the Philistines. There's with the, the foxes, there was the, the jawbone with the donkey. And we see that he continues to sin. He goes to a prostitute. He goes to Delilah. And we see he continues to sin and sin. And we see his attitude change that, oh my gosh, you know, God's going to just deliver me every single time. And we can get that way. It's a, it's a warning to us as Christians that if we allow ourselves to continue to sin, and there are Christians out there that have been caught in like really bad sins. And they said, they made the mistake thinking they would not get caught, that it was just between them and God. And at some point, and, and, and we see this with Samson, that when Delilah cuts his hair, God left him. And, and it, it's a, there's an imagery that, you know, um, Bill Johnson from Bethel talks about, like with a dove, that a dove is very skittish and, it's like having a dove on a shoulder, you know, at some, if you continue, you know, in your sin, God's going to leave you just like that dove. If it gets scared or at some point it'll fly away and leave. And if we continue to, to mourn the Holy Spirit, to continue in our sin, that God will leave us. And at some point, God says, okay, because he, you have, you have to realize that I'm more than enough and, and not this. And so we see that happening and, and Samson gets captured by the Philistines. He gets his eyes put, put out. Now his hair begins to grow. And at some point, Samson does say, okay, God, let me have vengeance one last time. And, and he kills more Philistines when he died than when he was alive and it's sad it's a tragic story of of sin of, of of the downward spiral of sin and as believers if we continue to sin that God is going to leave us and we're going to see this culmination of of sin and what happens when you know especially when a nation itself turns away from the Lord and and we'll take a break and then jump into that So we get into 17 and 18 of Judges and, and even 19, 20, and 21 of Judges. You know, starting off with 17, there's Micah and the Danites. And Micah and, and these idols, you know, it's, we're, you know, the chronological history of the book of Judges ends with chapter 16. And then beginning with the episode of Micah here in chapter 17, it illustrates how soon during the period of the judges, Israel fell into low moral standards, perverted religious practices, and a chaotic social order. You know, they demonstrate that if God's word and sound moral principles are, are disregarded, both individuals and society as a whole, will disintegrate into moral 
chaos. And the writer of Judges points out twice, everyone did as he saw fit. So we see here that everyone, like Micah and, and, and the Danites, do as they saw fit. And we see Micah, the, the depravity, that one that he stole money from his own mother. And then they turn it into an idol. He gets a priest and the priest does whatever they want. It just keeps going downward. And we see it with the Danites. They take the priests and the idols as well. And then we get into 19 and and this progression of sin. And we look at chapter 19 and you know, as I was reading chapter 19, the Lord really pointed out to me how similar the story was to the story of Sodom and Gomorrah in in the book of Genesis that, you know, with Lot and the angels that this Levite one he had a concubine which was not right. It was not sanctioned in the law. And he goes and goes after her. And then they go to the Benjamites. And the Benjamites, they come out and they're evil. They're wicked. And they want to have, it was to the point they were, you know, they allowed this country of, of Israel. They allowed sin to creep in and they were they were allowing everybody to do as they saw fit and it allowed this depravity and this concubine ends up being killed because of the 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 depravity and sadly you know I want to just say that there's so much similarity you know in the U.S. especially as I've been watching in the news that you know, after the de- death of George Floyd, you see these riots happening. And, you know, yes, in America, we have the right to protest. But protest doesn't mean you destroy people's uh, buildings and set things on fire. And you don't hurt other people for, for the sake of justice. And as I was, you know, we had a prayer meeting. And as we were saying, this is not about George Floyd anymore. It's about you know, causing as much evil and chaos as, as they can. And, and as an excuse to, and it's just the depravity of sin. And we see it too, as well, that, you know, as Christians, we allowed, you know, abortion, we allow, you know, we stood by as abortion came through, we stood by as, as homosexuality was, was, you know, gay marriage was considered okay, as we sat there and allowed this to happen, and now we even see that with marijuana, we see it with drugs. We see this depravity creeping in. You know, now transgenderism is considered okay. And then all of a sudden, and it's it's happening in California, that, well, you know, if somebody is, you know, attracted to a child, that's okay. No, it's not. That's called... You know, we have laws against that. People go to jail for child pornography. And people go, well, you can't judge him because of what what they think is okay. And you can't. You know, it's like, that's not judging. 
It's, it's standing on what God's word is, and you're the ones opening up the door for it. And so as, as Christians, we have to start standing up and saying no and going into the word of God. Now, it's God loves people, and he wants to see people saved, you know, and he doesn't like seeing this depravity that's happening. And that's why he sent Jesus, you know, to die on the cross. And that's just something that we have to really think about. And, and we see what happens, that it causes such a civil war. And I see it, we see it in America. There is such a division. And it causes a civil war in, in Israel because the Benjamites, well, you know, their own brothers, the other tribes said, hey, you know, turn over the people who were corrupt and we'll deal with them. But they didn't. They sympathized that. They sympathized with with sin and evil. It just showed the lack of justice and in in the tribe of Benjamin and how they saw God. And we see this battle that ends up happening. And then not all the Benjamites die. And and then chapter twenty one is a strange, strange chapter because it's talking about finding wives for the Benjamites and. They didn't totally wipe them out. And so they're trying to find these wives for, for the tribe of Benjamin. And it just shows how Israel was. You know, they weren't about seeking God's opinion. They were seeking their own opinion. And we see with, first off, you know, they do, they, they do go find out that, Jabesh Gilead did not assemble to fight against the Benjamites. And so they wiped him out because they go, wait a minute, you guys, they, they saw it more as, you know, siding with sin, siding with sin and not stand with God, with God and his people against this, this heinous sin, you know, and, but then, and, and so they take the virgins from that and give them to the Benjamites, but there's not enough. And so then they condone them to go kidnap these girls and all of that. And that just shows that how Israel was, and we're, we're getting to that way, um, especially here in America, that it's, you know, they say, well, whatever is your truth is okay. And it's not, you know, truth and to, for it to be absolute truth, like Jesus, where he claimed to be truth. And because of that, he is truth. So how he lived, and you're saying something that is totally opposite of how he lived and is considered sin, that it's truth. That is not truth. Um, you know, no matter how... You disguise it. It's not truth. Jesus is the truth and he's the only way to heaven. And so that's just something that we have to, you know, the book of Judges just shows the depravity that these people went into. And, and we have to be cautious. And I think as Christians, we really need to start waking up to what's happening in our nation and being on our knees and praying to God for, for redemption and so, and that ends the book of Judges. So we're going to 
take a quick break and jump into the book of Ruth. So we go into the book of Ruth, and this happened in the times of the judges. It was in the day of the judges, and we see that there's a famine that happens, and there's a woman who knew God and named Naomi, and her and her family leave for Moab, and her sons end up marrying Moabite women. One is Ruth, and one is um, Orpah. It's People want to say Oprah, but it's not Oprah, it's Orpah. You know, R and P switched around. And and we see with Naomi that she was faithful follower of the Lord, but she experienced great adversity. And her husband dies, and then her sons die, and there's no children to carry on this lineage. And we see her the bitterness in her soul. And it and as Christians, we can relate to that, especially in a in a time, you know, like this with coronavirus, you know, people who have lost their jobs, people who have gotten sick, or people like with the riots that have happened, the the pain and the hurt that comes through. And and sometimes we can feel like, where is God in this situation? But he's closer than ever. And we see in this book how God, it, his plan of redemption works in Naomi's life. And even in Ruth, through her daughter-in-law, Ruth. Ruth, when Naomi goes back to Israel, Oprah, you know, forsakes, you know, she at first goes, but then she just forsakes and goes back to, to her people. But Ruth forsakes her life. She, she surrenders her old life, everything she knew, her own people, to go serve God faithfully and her mother-in-law. And she goes to a people that she doesn't know. And, and God uses that faithfulness of Ruth. And, you know, 116 is, is very, it's very beautiful. It's used in a lot of weddings. When she replies, do not urge me to leave you or to turn back from you. Where you go, I will go. And where you stay, I will stay. Your people will be my people and your God, my God. That is a de declaration of her faith in the Lord at that point. And I think, you know, Naomi's life of, of being faithful in the Lord maybe spoke to Ruth. And Ruth follows her and God uses Ruth, who was... One, a Gentile, considered a Gentile. And you think about the law, Gentiles were not allowed salvation. But, you know, they could convert to, later on they could convert to Judaism. But they weren't allowed to, like, a certain part of the temple. They were, like, they were still distant. But we see God uses Ruth. And, and it's just amazing. And the, and the similarities that there is, you know, in our, in our relationship with Jesus and, and actually Boaz is a type and shadow of, of Christ. And because she meets Boaz and Boaz, you know, he notices her faithfulness 
and he fi- she finds favor with Boaz. And it's the same way. We have found favor with God. Even though we were sinful, God went to great lengths to send Jesus to, to save us and, and to redeem us. You know, and Boaz was his kinsman redeemer. And we see in, in the book of Ruth that, you know, he, Naomi knows he's a kinsman redeemer. And he's like, Ruth, go marry him. And, and what she does is an act of surrender. You know, it's just like as we surrender to God and Boaz goes, you know, there's somebody closer to me that can redeem you. And he goes and that person would not redeem him. And so God or Boaz redeems Ruth he, he, and, and Naomi's family line. He becomes that kinsman redeemer. He marries Ruth. And the first child, because of the law and how it was, there was the kinsman redeemer to make sure that somebody's bloodline would not die out. And, and so Naomi, the first son... Is, is attributed to Naomi. Now, in the genealogy, it actually points to Ruth. And so here's the thing about it. Ruth is in that bloodline of Jesus because the child that comes from that is, is as we go down to the line, it's, it's this, you know, the, the Obed, the father of Jesse, and Jesse, the father of David. David's bloodline comes through Boaz and see it was through the line of David that our our Jesus you know Jesus our Messiah our Savior came and and that's just that way God came and redeemed us and it's just amazing the the correlation so you know even though we read in Judges about the depravity of sin there's hope because we have Jesus the blood of Jesus we have been redeemed and because of that, God calls us, you know, into this relationship with him to forsake everything. And that's what we need to do. We need to forsake our old lives and move forward in, in this relationship. And not only that, but to share this great news with everyone around us, especially in such a time as this. There are people filled with anger and hurt that need to know that that God has redeemed them. God is in their situation, that he can take away their anger. And that's just something we have to look to. And that's just something, oh, it was, it's just so amazing. And so, you know, Book of Ruth is short, but it's so powerful. And, and it's just amazing. God used this, this faithful woman who wasn't even, she wasn't even a Jew. And, just used her mightily and and it's just amazing it's such a beautiful story just showing how god uses everyone and and his redemption is for everyone and so that's it with ruth so we're going to take a quick break and then jump into uh first samuel one and two So we get into 1 Samuel and a lot of people know about the story of David and they think, you know, especially brand new believers. When I was a brand new believer, it was like, why is it called Samuel? Why isn't it called 
It was the story of David. Why isn't it called David? Why didn't he get his name put on that? And it's just because of where it starts. The story doesn't start with David. It starts with a prophet named Samuel. And because in that time, you know, as I was saying, you know, Israel saw to do whatever they wanted to. And that even included their priests. We see with this in, in chapter two about Eli and his sons. His sons had slipped into moral depravity. And we see that even today in, in, in the United States, in all over the world, that there are many religions out there that have forsaken God's word to be popular with the world, to not be judged and criticized. They've allowed and condoned sin into their own lives to, to say, well, that it's okay. God still loves us. And we see this depravity and, and I know I'm kind of jumping forward, but, you know, later on, you know, God gives a prophecy to Eli saying, you guys aren't, you're going to not be the priestly line. He points to a faithful priestly line, which points to Samuel. Samuel came, we see the story of Hannah, a woman who was discouraged, just as we are. You know, as sometimes in, in our Christian walk, God has given us promises in our hearts and we're not seeing it. You know, we're going through discouragement like Naomi and in the book of Ruth. And we see with Hannah, you know, that the enemy, you know, was was discouraging her through the second wife of, of her husband's because she didn't have a child. But Hannah kept pressing in and she makes a vow to the Lord that, you know, if she conceives one child, she'll give them to him. And she does. She conceives. And the son that is born is Samuel. And Hannah does that. She gives Samuel to, to the priesthood. And Samuel could have walked in the line or the ways of Eli's sons, which is weird, but he doesn't. God's hand was upon him. And, and we see that because of Hannah's obedience, God gives her more children because of that. And, and sometimes, you know, just faithful obedience and, and God will call us to sacrifice something, to let go of something but when we do and we're walking in faithful obedience, there's something on the other side. There's just something more. And so we see this, this son Samuel being raised up. And, and we see, it says, you know, he continued to grow in stature and in favor with the Lord and with men. So it wasn't just God's favor. It was with the favor of men as well. And so... We're going to end there because we're going to talk about in, in next week's reading about his calling and, and, and what Samuel does, you know, in his life. That's why, you know, this is called first and second Samuel. I don't know why it's called second Samuel, because if I remember right, he's not even in there, but I think at one point it was one book and it just got broken into two, two books. If I remember in my classes, so, but that's it for this week on, on the Old Testament um, Bible stories. And 
you know, so stay tuned for the next podcast coming up and that will be on Psalms and Proverbs. That'll probably occur later on in the day. So for the next week's reading, we're going to start on 1 Samuel chapter 3 and we're going to go through chapter 20 of 1 Samuel. So, and we'll get introduced to David in, in that time. So, um, just keep, or, you know, as I said, just divide it how you want, um, how to divide it, but get through chapter 20 of, of First Samuel. And so I'm going to end in a prayer and I just want to say thank you, Lord Jesus, for who you are, God. Lord, we just give you the honor and the glory, Lord, today, Lord. And Lord, I just lift up our world and our nation to you, God. There's so many people filled with hurt, with pain. Lord, I just pray that you would just come in and, and put your peace and your healing in this land. Lord, we repent of our sins for, for condoning sin and condoning abortion and, and homosexuality, Lord. And as your word says in Zechariah, that Lord, when we turn to you, you turn to us, Lord. And Lord, bring healing to our land. We pray against any more riots. We pray for healing in that area, Lord God. We pray that you would just begin to work in the lives of those who want to cause harm to others, Lord. That, that Lord, we pray for divine intervention for them. Lord, and I pray that you just continue to work in this COVID-19 situation and bring healing. Bring healing economically. Bring healing physically to this nation, Lord God. And Lord, just work mightily. And Lord, I pray that as we continue to read your word, that it would just bring revelation into our hearts of how we are to live, O oh Lord Jesus. And that, Lord, we just give you the honor and the glory in Jesus' name. Amen. Have a great day, you guys. Mm -hmm.